0: welcome to the Modern Maker podcast. Today is Thursday, April 26, 2018, otherwise known as National Pretzel Day. I'm Chris Alamone and with me as always are Mike Montgomery and Ben Ueda. What's up? Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here. You guys loving them pretzels or what?
1: These pretzels are making me thirsty.
0: Yeah, Seinfeld
2: quote. (laughs) I'm going to leave it at there. I was going to talk about pretzel buns, but I don't even need to now.
0: Let's just Ah. move right on. Let's just, let's get out of there. So the, uh, Rockler Plywood Challenge has officially begun. I've seen i I've seen some people working on stuff, and I've even seen one entrant, John r- builds. Yeah, someone who
2: have been really thinking ahead on this one. I'm glad that we teased it a couple weeks ahead. That was, that was really cool. He said in the video. I watched the video this morning. I think he said. That we were talking
0: about it early and he was like 90% certain it was going to be a plywood project. And so he just like started prepping it and just kind of like held off on putting a video out until he knew for sure that's what it was. And that's why he was so far ahead of the game. But it was, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch it. It just came out a couple hours ago, but definitely everybody go check it out. It's a really cool build. He built two... Dining chairs, all out of plywood, and he really highlighted the the ply layers in it.
1: Yeah, shout out to Johnny Builds. Uh, I was just looking at it on Instagram earlier, and uh, it is it is really really high end and nice looking. So uh, yeah, right out of the gate, crushed it. Um, awesome job, and you know, I think it's kind of it's kind of smart that he got it done early because he's getting as, as you know, I think there's a few. I'm seeing about I'm looking at the feed now. I'm seeing quite a few finished projects. Um, and that's a great way to sort of uh, uh, get a lot of attention through this challenge because people are clicking on you know as they're as they're posting progress photos, they're going to enter that hashtag and uh, see your finished work. So get your stuff done and start teasing it.
2: And you know what's the coolest part? is every week we're going to feature one or two videos or Instagram posts that people are putting out, and they're going to be the top link in the description. So if you want to go check out Johnny's video, check out the podcast notes, and it will be right there at the top. And if you want your and if you want your video to be there, then all you got to do is release it so we can highlight it.
0: All you got to do is be the only person to put out a video that week.
2: Exactly. So good for you, yeah. Johnny. And also, it was a good enough project that probably would have gotten featured anyway. So what are you That's guys working right. on? quality
0: stuff. I am finishing up that record player cabinet still so yeah actually kind of uh it, it was a really long build and kind of had a little bit of an uh, epiphany or I guess not an epiphany but a uh, a new I'm gonna change the way I'm doing things moving forward so I think I'm gonna officially say I am not taking custom orders anymore like I feel like I've been kind of dancing around the line of obviously my main focus is in in making content but I was still taking custom orders here and there. They just don't mesh well, like you hmm. know. Sanding sometimes... is just that bad, huh? Sanding is that bad. No, you know <laughs> what the problem was with this one, honestly. So, I'll come up with a lot of ideas, and then I'll kind of go through my ideas and be like, okay, this is cool looking, but here's the problem with it, and here's why it won't work. And so I'll come up with a better solution that actually does work. Well, the problem with your when you're working with a client is they might really love that first idea that you showed them. So that's kind of what happened with this one was. I came up with this idea. The guy really loved it. I really loved it too. But as I thought about it more, I was like, I don't think this is going to work. There's just a few things that are problematic with it. And as I made it, sure enough, I was kind of right. And those things were problematic about it. So it's the type of thing where I would say, honestly, like video wise, it's fine. It's like 92% quality. But there's just those few little errors here and there. And if I'm charging somebody thousands of dollars for a piece I don't want it to have those few little errors here and there and I think it's really a problem with the design more than my ability I think it's a design that at least me I can only get this design to like 92 percent perfection and so I ended up spending a bunch of time that I shouldn't have spent and I basically just told the guy like look I'm not comfortable sending charging you for this it's just not quality enough I, I showed him all the problem areas um, but yeah I I think I'm just not gonna do custom builds anymore.
2: So at this point you basically built a commission but then decided I'm not gonna sell you the piece. Yeah.
0: Huh. It's not okay, good
2: so, enough. Okay, so let's 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 have this like sit down therapy session. We're okay. turning this into like Chris Hour. <laughs> okay. If it's if it's a matter of design, why not just uh-huh. tell the client that the design comes with the caveat that if I need to change things in the process that's what I have to do. And that's just part of one-off orders. Well, I would have to change things aesthetically. So it It would be that dramatic.
0: Yeah. Okay. The main problem that I'm having is so the way that the handles are makes it where the material has to be really thick in order to make Mm -hmm. it so that you could get your hand behind it to pull. And the doors are not big, but they're long. They're like 26 inches long uh, to cover up the cubbies in the cabinet. And there's just a little bit too much play with like that much cantilevered weight and the hinges where the gaps just like are not great. They're they're okay, but they're not, they're just not good enough. And then I was also trying a lot of new things with the base, but I, I actually worked out most of the kinks with that. Um, so like moving forward, what what I should have done is probably said like, okay, I know that this is going to be problematic. So I either need to make smaller cubbies straight off the bat or We need to do a sliding door for where the records are going to go. I I could have come up with other solutions that I could have pulled off and gotten the quality that it needs to have in order
2: to charge somebody that much. So my question is this. If it was not a commission, would you have made those changes? Yeah, I would
0: have made changes to the design before I started building it. I would not have moved forward with that design because I would have said, there's too many things that are not going to work out with this design.
2: Yeah, so it came down to you had an obligation to make the design a specific way, and you just didn't want to change it, and it ended up not working out for the better.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that was kind of how I felt going into it. It was like, okay, well, maybe I'll pull it off, but I'm going to give it a shot. I mean, worst case scenario, I knew I could still use it for a video. I'm still making a video on it, and I'm already... (laughs) Things don't have to be that good for a video. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I'm actually already thinking of like, okay... You know, life gives you lemons, make lemonade, right? So yeah. I think what I'm going to probably do is make a video that'll just be about like coming up short on a design or on a build. Mm-hmm. And so obviously the I'm still going to complete the build. You know, I'm probably one or two more days of work away from finishing it. So I'm not going to just scrap it at this point. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to make a video and that'll be what the video's about is coming up a little bit short. And then I can probably stretch it into another video about kind of like redeeming myself on the design and maybe just doing something else with the components that I've already built that does work out. I don't know. I still got to figure and then that, sell part that out.
2: Me, but and then sell that piece to the guy.
0: For twice as much money.
2: Well, no. I mean, it's an <laughs> option, right? Was he bummed out uh, that he's not getting it? What did uh, he say he, when he you was, said, uh, what did he say?
0: He was a little bummed out. I mean, like he obviously really wanted it to work. He's. Um, I just felt like it wasn't going to, like I could have put more time into it, but. I was afraid what would end up happening is I'm just gonna like delay your remodel even further and it still might not come out. I think, really, to like get it up to quality at this point, the whole cabinet portion of the build would just need a, a restart. Yeah. And all right. Yeah. All I, right. I just so don't I've want got
2: to do it. That. I've got the answer for you. Uh, now, I'm no Played therapist, on. but let me give you my my take on this. Hot take Dr. Mike is this why not sketch a new model of a design <laughs> that you think will work? Send that to the guy with a caveat saying, if you want it, I'll build it for the same price. It'll Mm. be X number of days until I'll be finished with it. If you want it, awesome. If not, great. I'm building it anyways. Couple
0: reasons. So the main one is I have a lot of deadlines coming up for sponsors and I've already sunk a lot of time into this one. So now I really need to like kind of cut losses and move on to those other projects that I have queued up. Okay. Um, Another thing is I feel like there's a lot of detail that went into certain components of this piece, the base in particular. And I think I can actually use it for a lot of other projects by modifying them. So in a way it almost becomes worth more to me to keep and use for those other projects than to finish it and send it and then have to rebuild it
2: again. Great. Okay. Well, that kind of makes sense. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send this, to the voicemail call in. <laughs> if anybody, li- listen. if any listeners have some killer advice for Chris, record a voice memo on your phone and email it to modernmakerpodcast at gmail And if it's good, helpful, and insightful, we might play it next week. Ben, what do you think about nice. Chris? Di- Chris's dilemma, though.
1: I empathize. Yeah, uh, I think I think custom clients are. It's a difficult challenge to do because you're you're bringing in. The most uh, unpredictable and idiosyncratic uh, type of business relationship into a uh, you know a craft or art form, depending on how you think about it, that's very individual driven. And if you're trying to be expressive and do what you think and have your own specific identity, it really makes it complicated to to bring in this other sort of creative driving force. So, but I would say. Those are the complications, um, but there certainly are ways around it. You know, I I started in custom design with with architecture, and mm-hmm. I've slowly moved away from it. Recently, I've done uh, commissions uh, with the the great stores, but in both cases, I was really clear up front that um, here's what I'm giving you. I'm giving you a good price, and it's my. <laughs> I'll I will we'll listen to you in the beginning for what you want and what your needs are and what your parameters are, and I will come up with a solution, but I'm not gonna submit designs and then have you say, no, I'd like this, I like this, because I don't wanna work that way. It's not that their ideas were bad, it's just not, I'm just not interested in spending my time that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: that being said, there is a price <laughs> at which I would uh, suffer those uh, uh, indignities. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, that's where the, the 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 conversation between you and the client has to go to an internal conversation of you deciding what is that price for which you're willing to suffer all those sort of like annoyances and bad ideas from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's not too many people that are willing to pay uh, that price. So what what you end up doing is you end up negotiating against yourselves, and you often. Uh, get screwed in one of two ways. Either you have to deal with annoyances, bad ideas, or uh, it takes a long time to take their shit ideas and polish them up into a semi-respectable turd. Um, (laughs) And so I I wouldn't discourage anyone from doing it. Uh, There's still a lot of awesome things that can be accomplished. And it is a great hybrid model if people are sort of getting started into content but aren't quite there yet with sponsorship money custom right. commissions are, are a great way also if you cr- the more you craft an identity and a specific uh, vision for your work uh, the more people will come to you and ask for a just a different version of what you already do if you look like a generalist people will tend to ask you to do more general kind of stuff right. um, yeah so uh, you know th- those are things to think about but that that happens in every walk of life. Uh, you know, there's you'll you'll hear stories of stand-up comedians that have very filthy uh, sets, and people say, "Oh, I love your work. I love your work. Can you do this event?" But you can't cuss, and they're like, "Wait, have you ever heard? Yeah, my, me do my work." Right. So uh, there's all uh, you know. Uh, this weekend, I was talking to musicians, and they're talking about how. Uh, certain commercial uh, opportunities can be incredibly lucrative. Doing music for a video game or a movie or like a Samsung mm-hmm. commercial can pay a ton of money. Um, but have this sort of artistic, you know, demerits to that, or they feel like it, it, it can polish their sort of uh, or uh, detract from their, their artistic credentials or reputation. It's selling so out, man. It's selling exactly. out. Yeah. So these are all these are all the things that uh, have to be uh, considered and there are great opportunities in custom work. Um, but you have to be clear, you have to be honest and you have to realize it's going to take a really long time and be more complicated than if you just did it by yourself. Totally. Yeah. That's I,
0: awesome. I think that uh, that's kind of the thing that for me, I make no, I, I don't try to hide it at all. I'll, I'm very clear that like the stuff that I put out for videos I would say is 90% complete. It's never to that level that I would be happy with selling and the, the content creation thing and the quality that I want, if I'm going to sell something to somebody are just kind of like at odds with one another, they don't mesh up. So I guess moving forward, I would be willing to take commission pieces. If I could tell the person up front, like, look, I'll charge you a little bit less than I would, but it's not going to be as good of a piece as what I'm used to doing. And if they were cool with that, like, I'd I'd be willing to still do pieces but I think just making those like really high quality pieces and trying to maintain a schedule at least for what I'm doing right now they just don't mesh well um you know maybe things change in maybe my business model changes in a year or something and it can work out who knows but for right now
2: well either way Ben and I were at your house I think last weekend and uh it looked like good enough to buy so I think you are m- making a little bit of a critical situation on yourself.
0: You're like, it looked like a lot
2: of half-assed projects. Yeah, exactly. So Thank anyways, you. if Appreciate somebody has it. something to add to the convo, make the voice memo less than a minute. I m- forgot to say that earlier, and that's why I'm bringing it up now. Yeah. I, hot takes. Anyways, hot takes. If that's the segment name, let us know if it's a good one. But what are you guys working on this week? Ben, uh, Chris just went, so it's your turn.
1: I uh, I just published a few videos I published the, the steak plates, um, yeah. which were those like kind of cutting board things for serving steaks that I, I designed for a friend that ha, has a restaurant. So I finally released that video. I actually made that project a long time ago. That was a uh, tricky move you did
2: there. Describe that a little bit. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. So um, I did the first version in – so basically I was thinking of a way to elevate – very common food that often for restaurateurs is the most popular. Things like steak fritz, right? Just a you know flank steak or skirt steak and French fries. Um, so I was thinking, how could you make that a little bit more interesting when it's sort of a good already staple that people like for its simplicity? And I designed this sort of cutting uh, board because it's nice to cut meat on wood because you don't have to use a steak knife. You can use a sharp knife. So. A serrated edge is only good for steak because it doesn't dull easy when you cut through the steak and hit the plate. Hmm. But a sharp knife is actually a much more pleasurable and better way to cut the steak because it's less tearing and it just cuts cleaner. And that's just a traditional knife. Right. Yeah. Um, But restaurants don't want to do that because they'd always be sharpening that knife when it hits the porcelain of the plate. So serving it on a board is ideal, but then a board... The juice would sort of leak all over, so I designed this board that has this channel, which isn't different from a lot of meat cutting boards. But all that that channel around the perimeter, the canal, funnels all the juice from the steak into like a reservoir where you could add like a different sauce that mixes with the meat juice for dipping. Mm. So it's kind of cool; it has an interesting sort of you know geometric shape, which is something that I like, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty quick and easy project. So I sh- first show how I did it on the CNC, and then I show how to do it if you don't have a CNC using a palm router. So I did the, that, I uh, released that video. I also released the scaffolding uh, loft bed, and I'm just finished building, we're recording on a Monday, uh, a bench press, like a weight bench for like bench pressing. Yeah, watch um, out people, Ben yeah, how I much gonna you get, get
2: ripped. It's about to be Muscle oh, Beach man. in the backyard. Dang yeah. it!
1: And I built it all out of two by fours and a scrap piece of plywood. So look out for them gains. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's bulking season.
2: Muscle picks coming soon. No, just kidding. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Um, so it's been it's been a, a busy couple weeks. I probably have about seven or eight videos in in the can. I also uh, released a video for Quickrete where we announced the start of another challenge, the One Bag Wonder uh, competition, which is a competition hosted by Quickcrete where they're challenging people to see what can you make out of a single bag of any Quickrete concrete mix. And there's about, I think there's uh, $5,000 in cash prizes. So it's another challenge to check out as soon as you're done with your Rockler plywood challenge.
2: There yep. you go. Just win stuff all the time. Yes.
0: Mike, I want to hear what you're working on, but first, let's take a quick break. If you're anything like me, then you love eating. And I don't know why, but for some reason, food always tastes better when you cook it yourself. Maybe it's some kind of psychological trick or something. But anyway, the easiest way for me to cook a full meal, hassle-free and without making any mistakes, is with HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes in pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Each meal that you get is made up of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and high-rated, trusted sources. But one of the truly great things about HelloFresh is that it lets you rediscover, or discover for the first time, the joys of cooking. And that's thanks to their simple recipes, which are outlined on pictured step-by-step instruction cards. I mean, honestly, I'm not a good cook, so if I can do it, anybody can.
2: Now, Mike, you recently cooked something up. What was it? That's right. And I feel like you might not believe me, but your boy made a casserole. You're lying. I I wish I was. No, actually, I don't because I have now added a new way of cooking to my repertoire.
0: You can make casseroles. It was a
2: pork risotto casserole. It had kale, tomato, parmesan, everything good. And I cooked it in like half an hour and everybody at the ranch, the maker ranch that is, Mm -hmm. was able to feast. Nice.
0: So you can uh, trade in your saw for some uh, whisks
2: that's right so watch out for the modern maker cooking show coming soon
0: (laughs) nice very nice so seriously give them a shot your meals will be delivered right to your door in recyclable insulated packaging and for less than ten dollars per serving plus shipping is free also right now you can get thirty dollars off your first week of hellofresh by visiting hellofresh.com and entering the promo code modern30 again that's hellofresh.com promo code modern30 all right thanks hellofresh now back to the show
2: right, Mike, so what are you working on? What am I working on? I am working on a lot of things, or I've gotten a lot of things finished at least. I built two beds in one week, and I feel really good about that. I have not put either of the videos out. I wanted to just build stuff and then worry about editing it later, so I'm wrapping up those edits over the next, or I have over the past couple of days. And what I'll be working on next is a couple of things. One, um, I... I noticed, Ben, are they your wood veneers or were they Jesse's wood veneers that were laying around in the kitchen the other day?
1: Uh, They were wood veneers that I gave to Jesse. Are
2: you using this as a platform to tell them to clean up or something? What's going on here, Mike? (laughs) (laughs) No, I I just saw some really cool, like really thin wood veneers, and it got my mind kind of spinning on what I might be able to build. And we came across some field notebooks that actually had a really, really thin wood veneer face on them. So Jesse and I have been experimenting with how I can build, or how we can build, a pocket notebook with a wooden face on each side and a sewn hem, or not hem, maybe a spline is the right word for it. And so we've tried and failed multiple Mm -hmm. times, but we're really narrowing in on what might work. Um, The first thing we tried was just literally to cut a piece of veneer and then just try and bend it. Uh, The veneer obviously snapped. And so from there, we decided we should laminate the wood veneer to a piece of cardstock. The wood definitely snapped, but instead of snapping along with the grain, it stayed in a straight line. And so that was a little bit of progress. From there, we wet the wood a bit so that it was a little bit more pliable, and this time it just kind of cracked a bit. And so the last thing we did was wet it, bend it. And then use a clothes iron with a steamer mm. to basically steam the wood into place and kind of work it in there. Um, and then once we put the the cord spine on it, it looks really, really great. There's a couple parts where the edge is starting to try and tear a bit. And I think that's just something that's just going to happen. I mean, you're using wood as a pliable material. And so certain certain sacrifices or certain you know compromises have to be made to do that. Um, so, yeah, they're looking really cool. We picked up some raw paper, some uh, unbleached paper that looks really nice for the inside. And, yeah, I'm really excited about that. It's something that I get to use my new branding iron on. I like the idea of being able to burn my logo into my pocket notebook cover.
0: Yeah. Now you just need some cows. You can brand Need some cows? Brand them. Yeah,
2: some leather. Exactly. <laughs> oh, for that too, yeah. You know what's really cool about a branding iron? What? Yeah, you know what's really cool about a branding iron is I think you can use it to emboss leather as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have to try that out if we do a leather-covered book, too.
1: Those uh, veneers, they came from a variety pack from Rockler. So shout out to Rockler. Boom,
2: Rockler's all shout over the
1: place this week, man. Yeah. I've, uh, <laughs> I've ordered them a few times. They're, if you're thinking about veneer projects or bent lamination, um, I ordered them when I was trying to make that uh, – well, what ended up being a coat hook but was originally supposed to be a bike rack when I was first you know, experimenting with bending veneers. It's a really cool thing. You order, it's like maybe like 20 bucks. You get a whole bunch. One, it's a great way to learn and see different wood species, but you get all these nice sized uh, veneers and you can do all sorts of cool little projects. They're really great for X-Acto knife projects and stuff. So it's a cool thing that if you're kind of feeling stuck, um, you can order a pack of them for like 20 bucks and have a whole bunch of different ideas about wood grains. You can experiment with patterns. You can do projects with a knife. You can experiment with bending. So it's kind of like a nice little wooden uh, Lego kit to, to get you out of a rut.
0: Could be inspiration for a future challenge or something.
2: Oh, maybe a little bent lamination boom, challenge? Boom. I like it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the other thing that I'm working on or starting to work on is refurnishing or restoring a vintage piece of furniture and then giving it some kind of modern twist. The fine folks at rust were nice enough to get in contact with me. And they saw my IKEA hack series where I had taken a couple of plain, unfinished pine Ikea dressers and used stain and paint and all this kind of stuff to give it a little bit more of a unique kind of classy look. And they really liked that and they were interested in doing something where I used, you know, whether it was spray paint, the stain they make, whatever it is, they're just like, we want you using our products. Um, So I gave them the option of, well, we can do another Ikea hack series uh, episode or I've been really interested in finding some maybe classic mid-century piece uh, or just some other kind of vintage uh, piece of furniture that I could basically do that, and so they were really excited about that idea. So I spent all day driving around Joshua Tree, hitting up the flea markets, antique malls, thrift shops, or any kind of secondhand store, trying to find just something that had good lines but really needed some TLC. But mm-hmm. we came up empty. The only the the big problem with Joshua Tree is I think a lot of the stores are stocking things that people can buy as souvenirs because mm-hmm. it's such a heavily traveled area. And that's a lot of like their economy is you know tourists. right? And so you get a lot of jewelry, a lot of just like things that people can pack in their luggage or pack in their car when they drive back. And so tomorrow I'm gonna be heading down to Palm Springs. There's money in Palm Springs. Heck yeah. So hopefully the, the second hand stores can have some cool stuff that I might be able to mess around with. So here's a question for you guys. Okay. I've got the perfect case scenario for what I want to do Um, and that is find a console table maybe a buffet or credenza Mm -hmm. uh, that I can chop a hole in the top of to make a TV lift cabinet and then also kind of restore it and paint it and do all kinds of stuff too but kind of instead of just uh, instead of just restoring it figuring out a way to add some kind of like modern twist or functional twist Uh, So I want to see if you guys have any ideas, a little live brainstorm session.
1: I have an idea. I think for that, you should actually look for a dining table. And Mm. the dining table is wider than you need. So you can split the top down the lengthwise and have enough material to turn it into sort of a looped uh, credenza. And also the legs are sort of tall enough. So you could sort of, a dining table would have everything you need, would have enough surface and wood. And the top height would be good and you'd have enough depth to kind of do it. So you could easily turn uh, by splitting a dining table down the long way, taking off the legs, moving them closer together onto one half of it, and then make those legs actually go through uh, the bottom of sort of of the medium co- uh, media console. Also, tables are going to be cheaper than like, you know, a credenza or something like that especially like a cool one. It's going to be expensive because it's going to be big, probably have a lot of drawers in it. It's going to be heavy. Um, So consider like a, a really nice dining table as well. And it would be a much more dramatic transformation.
2: That's a cool idea. So question is, if you're taking a dining table and then doing the TV lift cabinet idea, how are you hiding the TV when it's not in use?
1: Oh, you'd make a new face for it.
2: Oh, okay. So you would just kind of, instead of having the, the shallow apron, you would just bring that down or something?
1: Right. So if you split, the, a dining table is way wider than you need it to be. And exactly. Probably yeah. a li- and probably a little bit longer than you need, right? So let's say you're just turning a dining table into a media console. If you're turning a dining table into a media console with no front face or no doors, it would be pretty easy. You'd split it down the middle, you'd put the legs uh, on on one half of the top. And then you'd use the other half of the top as the sort of bottom of the media console. And the legs would probably... Oh, interesting, yeah. Pen- penetrate right through it. So then you would have a, basically, uh, a shelf where the top is table height. And then there's another shelf below it by whatever distance that you set through that. And the legs would sort of go from the top and then maybe through holes in the uh, the lower shelf layer where the TV would rest when it was hidden. Then you just have to add sides and uh, and doors to the front.
0: Yeah, I was going to say... Th- The first thing that popped into my head, I guess it has to do with who the intended audience of the video is. Because if you think about these kind of videos, traditionally, it's going to maybe it would be for somebody who doesn't have as many tools or the ability to really like modify something. So it would be more just like, you know, Mm. I'm just going to fix it up, sand it, paint it, that type of thing. But I think your audience is in that camp where they can actually significantly modify something. So in real general terms, I was going to kind of say something that Ben mentioned, but finding a piece that you can just use as like a head start in building something. So you find a piece that, okay, this is a good springboard that I can like modify and turn into something else. I think that would be a, a cool uh, approach to the video.
2: Yeah, I dig it. You got any ideas? So if it's something where it can be modified really heavy, um, what what's the first being off point that you think of there?
0: I mean like, okay, so if you... I think Ben's idea is actually really cool, but to make it even more simplistic or the more obvious approach would be if you found a credenza, you could probably do a lot of like kind of just gutting it and rebuilding the configuration. So you're almost just using like the base of it and the outside of it, like the style of it, but changing the way the inside is, especially if it's an older piece that you can find because it would be made for, the way that components and things were back then that doesn't necessarily translate into how things are now. So it could be kind of like a, a... I know that in cars they call it resto mod, where it's like you're restoring something, but then you're modernizing it at the same time. So maybe thinking of that approach of like, how would this piece be if it were built for today's world instead of 1963 or whatever it's from?
2: Yeah, so maybe it's something along the lines of like, taking a chest of drawers pulling those drawers out, and then making an open shelving unit. But it has the character of the feet, like maybe like, uh, like a clawfoot kind of base or something like that, paired with that modern, stark aesthetic would be fun. Yeah. Killer, yeah. Well, heck, if listeners have ideas, shoot them my way, because I still haven't found the piece. Hopefully, I get it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, hopefully their advice will be too late, and you, you find something good tomorrow.
1: Perfect, yeah. What else is going on, guys? I went to Coachella this weekend. I... Got a last-minute invite from a friend uh, to Coachella, and uh, so my friend I'm friends with a musician named Toki Monster, and she got me an artist pass uh, to Coachella, so I could like go in the back and you know hang out where all the musicians are staying. It's really cool. I wasn't really planning on going, um, but uh, she realized I was just in Joshua Tree, which is uh, you know half an hour's drive away, so I. You know, randomly showed up for like a day that turned into a long night and uh, got to see Beyonce, (laughs) uh, um, which you know I hadn't really ever listened to a lot of her music, but the the performance was a pretty incredible, spectacular, and the installations at Coachella were pretty insane. They had these like giant cathedrals that were built out of wire and just looked like these ghost like structures. It, It it's almost like they were borrowing a lot from uh, Burning Man sort of vocabulary of you know large scale installations, but yeah, it was uh, it was a pretty crazy night. I don't think I got home till like five or six in the morning. Um, probably one of the highlights, though, didn't have anything to do with music. Is there's a chef I've been following for a long time named uh, Roy Choi, and I first became aware of him on Anthony Bourdain's show. And he he's sort of he was one of the first people to sort of pioneered the Korean taco trucks and all that stuff that just totally blew up. So uh, we were standing in line to get food at, he has—he had like a, his restaurant had a food stand there and uh, uh, Tokyo Monster knows him. And all of a sudden he, she, she sees him and then we actually got to eat uh, with him. So it was really nice. cool uh, to meet him and, uh, uh, you know, meet a bunch of musicians and hang out and go to a lot of parties and see a lot of people uh, tripping their faces off on uh, molly and acid and all sorts of drugs. Dude, I
2: believe it. Uh, But yeah,
1: it uh, it. it was an intense experience.
2: So I got a question for you. What is the common thread between creative types when it comes to building furniture and physical items and a musician type or a visual artist?
1: Yeah. So what was interesting, like hanging out with uh, a bunch of uh, musicians and sort of managers and people in that industry was seeing the similarities from their interaction amongst their peers that we sort of see in our community uh, amongst our peers. And so people really sort of define themselves by genres. Right. Like there's this, you know, I mean. For me, honestly, I'll listen to I, – I have a broad category for like electronic music and they have all these specificities. Like I think, like, oh, do you know this person? Because they kind of do like what you do. They're like, no, 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 no. What I do is totally different. <laughs> yeah. um, and it, it, was, it was funny as an outsider looking and sort of seeing like, oh, these people all kind of do the same thing. But they have this like hyper specificity and often, uh, frankly, probably like a lot of barriers about these other groups of people that do something different. So it's like whenever they were like giving a compliment to a performer, they're like, okay, so I would never do that, but this is what was good about it. You see the same thing a little bit in what we do, where the people that do more sort of like DIY home improvement stuff will sometimes have sort of shots taken at them from the people that do more sort of fine woodworking. And it makes sense within the community because you see these differences. But it also sort of shows, I think, like a certain defensiveness when – whenever you talk about someone else's work, you always have to position it relative to yourself. It's totally natural, but uh, it's something that I definitely want to make, you know, it was an experience that made me sort of self-reflective and want to be more aware and do less of that myself. Like, just because someone does something different than me, I can give them a compliment and say, hey, that's really good, period. I don't want to say, it's really good, but I would never do that because I'm this, 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 and this. Uh, Sometimes we feel the need to sort of, qualify ourselves at this and, – and, and you know what it does? It makes an honest compliment seem a little bit more like a backhanded compliment. Um, oh, 100 percent. Yeah. So that oh, that's was – cool was, but
2: I wouldn't build it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. So <laughs> – Front-handed it's like, That, insult. Was, that mm-hmm. was the lesson I, I took away from it and it was easier seeing – it was something I probably wouldn't have realized if I hadn't seen it in a totally different genre of interaction. Because I'm, yeah. I'm too close to my own space to do that. So uh, that was my uh, big takeaway other than I'm glad I'm not like uh, <laughs> a young person anymore because I don't think I can hang with these sort of like all-night parties and stuff.
2: <laughs> Ben's getting old. Old man Ben. Yep. That's right. Sweet. Okay. Well, I want to I want to send it to Obsessions. Um, if you guys don't have one, I have one that I'm ready to talk about. Um, Go for it. Awesome. So I got introduced uh, on Instagram, and I really don't even know how. It might have been that they had sent me a message, or I had saw I had seen something that they did. Um, but it's an Instagram account of some. I think it's a couple, uh, like a man woman couple that are that are building things with leather. Their handle is at shop underscore last. So they just kind of their brand is go by goes by last. Um, they're making leather goods and it's all really sleek, clean, minimal stuff. Um, a lot of hand stitched things that they're that they're creating this really neat pattern. It's an X style pattern instead of just a classic stitch. and everything just is, it looks really classy, really clean. Um, and it's just a cool minimal look. So someone I've been following, I've talked to them a couple times back and forth. they seem like really cool people, so I just wanted to give them a shout out. It nice. is shop underscore last. Shop last. Shop underscore last. So, what they do a lot of is they use black leather. And <laughs> most of the time uh, that I've gone to tandy leather, which is twice, I've seen it, but it's always one of those things where it seems like such a bold move to use black because you have all of these options. <laughs> it's like the idea, I think, of using wood and then completely dyeing it black as right. well, is you're taking away a certain aspect that you like in the material from the start. You know, with wood, you like seeing that grain and you like seeing the. The just kind of like the wood color of it. And with leather, I think it's the same way because it is so tactile and it does have a visual texture. Um, Whenever you see kind of just like a flat black look, you know, at a store, you feel like maybe I shouldn't get it because it doesn't have as much character or it It doesn't have as much, you know, of that unique kind of quality. But in a way, whenever you work it into a product or you work it into a design, it almost lets the form speak louder than the material. Yeah, I can see that.
0: It's more... Uh, so, you know, it's actually funny when I was, I think when I was growing up, I thought that black was the natural color for, for leather. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like what, what you saw see. more common. Well, Cause like cars and all that kind of stuff, like uh, jackets, all that. I don't know. I just felt like I saw mostly black leather growing up, but yeah, now I get what you're saying. If, because we rarely work with leather when you're using it, you want it to look like that, like quintessential leather. Which mm-hmm. now you, you don't really think of it as black. So probably as you get further into it, then yeah, it would be like more of the subtleties of like, well, you know, right now you might think if I'm going to make it black, then why don't I just go get some black fabric? It's going to look mostly the same. But if you got more into it, then it, it would have those other subtle characteristics that might, you know, kind of elevate the piece a little bit.
2: Totally. And then I guess anything you can do to separate yourself from the other people doing the same thing you are is always an upside, you know?
0: Yeah. I have a, for my obsession, I want to give a a shout out to some good customer service that I got. So you guys know I have the the, uh, Edelkrone Slider 1. That's like the camera slider thing that I bought a couple months ago. And so right after I bought it, they came out with a Slider 1 Pro, which is basically a better version of of what I had gotten. And so I was like, I'm just going to reach out to them and just say like, hey, you know, I, I just bought this. If I had known this was coming out, I probably would have waited. Like, do you guys have any kind of upgrade program or whatever? And they said, you know what? Just pay the shipping and, and send yours in and we'll give you the the newer one. So I thought that was really oh, cool. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's a several hundred dollar item. They, they didn't have to do it. I wasn't like, you know, trying to pressure them by making it public on Instagram or anything like that. I was about you know? to say, did no, you try it?
2: You said you're going to strong arm them, like yeah. talk bad about them on the podcast I would have done that. I would have
0: done that. But <laughs> but they did the right thing right off the bat. Yeah, you know, I was That's just, cool. Yeah.
2: So, and so the new one works better? It just has cooler features yeah, or what? it's a
0: tiny bit longer. The old one that I had was two separate pieces. So it was this slider mechanism and then a motor that you attach to it where now it's just one thing. You just buy the one unit and it's a motorized slider. So it's a little bit- better because of that it's stronger so you can actually have it you know with something heavier on it like if you have a heavier camera rig you can have it vertically slide and it can handle the weight of it so yeah it's just like a kind of upgraded in a few little ways version of it so really cool
2: that they were
1: that they sent that to me
2: dude i want to see you use that vertical slide that sounds really nice i'm gonna use it awesome ben in an obsession
1: so mine's gonna be a shout out to uh jamie my Uh, one of the designers that works for me. And uh, you may have seen on my Instagram, I just posted a teaser photo of the fire pit that we're uh, working on.
0: Yeah, that looks awesome.
1: Yeah, so it was a design I sketched out, and Jamie's been really working on her 3D printing and 3D modeling skills, and she's just been doing a fantastic job. Um, She really crushed it on those sort of accessory kits for the Ryobi batteries.
0: Yeah, and then.
1: She, uh, printed out, uh, these forms for me and then bondoed them, sanded them down smooth and then mailed them to me. And then I made silicone molds and made the concrete pieces for this fire pit. And it looks really, really cool. It kind of almost looks like, you know, like a sunflower, uh, Mm -hmm. with sunflower seed kind of pattern. And there's only three different blocks, but it looks much more complicated than, uh, than being made up of just three different modules. So Um, you know, we're getting back into that, that sort of, it's a technique that I really should be doing more of because it's so simple to just model something, you know, a basic shape, 3d print it, clean it up the, you know, with a little bit of prep and sanding and bondo and then make reusable silicone molds. So, uh, shout out to Jamie, check out her stuff at jamie.guan on Instagram.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Jamie is really crushing it. It's cool seeing her, like, just focus on 3D printing as much. I got to check out those Shapeways, uh, the drill covers, uh, the battery covers that hold Mm -hmm. the bits, and they look really, really nice. Um, Let's post a couple of pictures on the Modern Maker podcast account, a couple of close-ups. Will do. Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, we would love, love, love a review on the Apple Podcast app. It just lets the podcast app know that we're a good podcast and that they should suggest us to new listeners. Um, If you haven't already, we are all on Instagram. We are at Modern Maker Podcast collectively. That is where the podcast is or the challenge is being hosted. So make sure and check out hashtag Rockler Plywood Challenge and enter for yourself. The link in the description of the podcast will send you to our website that's got all of the rules. Super simple. Build something out of one sheet of plywood. If you got to add a little something here or there, you can do it. Um, But just be creative and build something new. Uh, Individually, we're at at 4 Eyes Furniture, at Benjamin Ueda, and at Modern builds, and that's about it, right? Anybody got anything else? No, that works. I think that, that works. It. All right, well, see well you next week. hope you have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. Later. Bye.